I mean, it's a grief to me that churches continue to mm. gather because it's clear that the distancing is a way of mitigation and preventing the spread of this disease. The science is there. And I think that the most loving thing that churches can do is to not be gathering in those larger gatherings. Hello, and welcome back to my brand new podcast, Hidden Narratives, brought to you by Watcher Entertainment. I'm your host, Stephen Lim, and on this show, we will be sharing the important but untold stories of Asian Americans. This episode is very personal. It deals with the Christian church in the US and how they are handling the pandemic. Disclaimer for you all listening out there, I do prescribe to the Christian faith and my faith is the most important thing in my life. And so I wanted to talk to somebody who provides the Christian perspective on what is happening right now in the US. And this was primarily motivated because I was seeing headlines about how a small minority of churches are still meeting right now in person in the midst of the coronavirus outbreak. And a few of them were insisting that it was their constitutional right or they were an essential business and that they had to gather in person. Some of them even going so far to say that they had to shake hands with each other. Although I don't know about the uh, validity of those reports or the beliefs of those churches. Either way, I thought it was really important to have this conversation because I do know that there is a perception right now about how the church is handling the situation. And so I wanted to talk to my uh, old pastor, Pastor Drew Hyun. Pastor Drew is the founder of Hope Church New York City, and he is the leader of the Midtown branch, and they have been meeting remotely since March 15th. In this conversation with Drew, we dive into a few really interesting topics. First of all, why did they decide to meet online? And what does he think about the churches that are still meeting in person? Secondly, how is he handling weddings right now? And lastly, we talk about the spiritual health of not only himself, not only me, but his church and New York at large. And really, I hope you're encouraged because the church right now is as engaged as ever. They are on the front lines donating their time, their services, their food, their bodies to make sure that we all get through this together. And so please, if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast. And without further ado, I present to you my conversation with Pastor Drew Hyun. Okay, well, hello, Drew. Great to speak with you. Uh, first off, could you just introduce yourself um, for people who don't know who you are? Uh, yeah, my name is Drew Hyun. I'm now a pastor of a church called Hope Midtown, which is part of a larger family of churches called Hope Church NYC. And yep, we live right here in Manhattan. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, and just for our listeners to know, I am a Christian. I attended Hope Church when I was in New York for the brief stint I had there. Um, you know, we have a relationship from me going to your church. So I, I personally really love my time there. And so I wanted to talk to you about how things are going now, because uh, since I left New York, the... Uh, pandemic has really hit New York the hardest right now. Before we get too far into it, though, I, I wanted to check in with you. Um, you know, how are you holding up through this pandemic? Yeah, it's been um, it's been heartbreaking around the city for sure. And at the same time, we're spending a lot of time with our family, with our kids, mm -hmm. and it's been a joy to spend so much time with family. And so in some ways, it's this bewildering moment of so many different emotions and trying to hold all of that together in the midst of what's happening. And then at the same time, trying to really mobilize ourselves, our family, our churches towards really being a community of generosity. That's really been kind of at the forefront. And then homeschooling is kicking our butts as well. So trying to do all of that has been a real challenge. Um, oh, wow. Are the schools closed right now? Yeah, schools are closed. And so everything's gone to online learning. 
And so we have an eight-year-old and a four-year-old. And so uh, compared to everything else that's happening in the city, I mean, those are kind of the worst of our worries, but mm-hmm. it's definitely, well, I once heard someone say like, it's interesting because all the, the married folks with families all wish they were single right now. <laughs> and, and all the single people wish that they were all married with families right now, you know? And so yeah. it's this weird kind of everyone's going through has um, unique challenges in this season of being isolated and distancing and Mm -hmm. um, meanwhile trying to support as much of the work that's happening right now as possible so wow yeah and that's that's really why i wanted to talk to you because right now um obviously this pandemic is affecting everybody but one one topic that has been kind of in the center of debate is the idea of churches gathering Mm -hmm. uh, during the COVID 19 pandemic and so i want to start from the beginning with you guys are you guys meeting remotely yeah, our churches are all online now. So we meet in Zoom calls and Google Hangouts and all that stuff. How crazy now. is that, by the way? Yeah, it's unbelievable right now. Yeah, I know Zoom has done really well in this season, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's been a great yeah. gift to the church for us to be able to do this. Yeah, how does that, how does service work right now? Do you invite all the members to a Zoom call and then you have like 100 faces on and you're just speaking to them or? Yeah, I mean, we've we've toyed around with different things. I mean, we, we were initially thinking, okay, we would just do a live stream on, on YouTube or on Facebook or something like that. But we really mm-hmm. felt like what people were missing was the real connectivity that churches provide. And so that's when we opted to go with Zoom instead. And so with Zoom, then, yeah, we've got, you know, over 100 folks kind of on and we have it be interactive. So we have different people leading different parts of the service. We actually switched our style of service as well. We used to be pretty standard in terms of we would sing songs and then have a prayer and things like that. But we added a lot more liturgy. So a lot of a leader speaks and then everyone speaks back. And one of the reasons Mm. why we wanted to create that was just for more interaction and for us to be able to see each other's faces. We've got now a number of different initiatives where families can get together during the midday. Uh, In fact, later this afternoon, our kids ministry is doing a uh, a categories game environment over Zoom with different families. So we're making do as best we can, but especially in this time, we didn't think that anything that was slick or overproduced, we felt like, hey, we're in the midst of the most unprecedented, difficult season of our lifetimes. And it's in this moment we want to be as authentic as possible with who we are and with how we gather together. Yeah, I, I did have a question in terms of the logistics because I've been dealing with this with Zoom calls with my coworkers, but mm-hmm. some of my coworkers have bad internet. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. And so what, like, have you thought about the lag that's happening and how does that affect the interactivity? Like if you stream something, that's a little bit easier where, you know, you don't have to worry about there being a lag on the other end. Mm -hmm. What are you guys doing to deal with that? Yeah, no, absolutely. For us, again, the interactive portions, um, like even even the sermon pieces or whenever we're in groups and having discussions, the lags are just part of the weirdness and awkwardness, the reminders of the fact that we're in this difficult season. Mm. So we've learned to embrace it and almost laugh at ourselves about it. (laughs) Now, the musical portions, you know, the creatives who tend to have a little bit higher... higher expectation and creative (laughs) kind of threshold. They've pre-recorded their sessions and what we'll do is we'll play it, um, a pre-recorded kind of video of them leading us in music and we'll have people kind of sing out on mute kind of in their living rooms and stuff. So we've all embraced this is the season God has us in Mm. and we will do our best to be with one another in all the messiness that it involves. That's, That's a good point. You've kind of seen the silver lining of having the situation that we're all in, like what's forcing us to experience this 
weirdness. Are there any other um, unexpected advantages that you've seen to switching to an online service? Um, well, I, I think there's a couple of things. I think one advantage is simply like people tend to be more available and with sports closing down and everything else. And I know you're a big hoops fan. I mean, <laughs> like people just have in some ways some more disposable time. Again, I, I would say for people that don't have families um, with them right now. So in some ways, some people are more available. Mm -hmm. Part of that too is just, you know, whenever any a situation arises like a pandemic or difficulty or suffering, of course, it arises spiritual consciousness for a lot of people, even those who aren't Christians who are reaching out and asking for prayer. But of course, nothing beats the in-person, the face-to-face, skin-to-skin. And a friend of mine, a pastor here in the city who we were both here during 9-11, and one of the things that we talked about, 9-11 was this one-time tragedy that really was such a gut punch to the city and to the world. And what the churches could do is we could gather together and mourn together. And there was something really powerful and there was a lot of solidarity in that. But right now, what, what makes it so painful is just we're in collective grief together. And it's, it's hard because we're, we're living in this reality though where we still have to be physically isolated. We're doing the best we can. I do want to dig into that a little bit more. Um, if you could gauge for me the, the spiritual temperature of your congregation, mm -hmm. as well as the city at large. I'm curious how people are doing and how people are being affected spiritually by this. Yeah, I think there is a hunger. And I know that at our church, we often talk about four things that catalyze some sort of spiritual kind of curiosity. It's, you know, suffering, death, love, and eternity. And in many ways, like all four of those things, which any human being experiences, every human being experiences, people start to be thinking about faith and life and God and things like that. And I think this pandemic, it touches on all four of those things. So I think that the hunger for God and truth and prayer are so prevalent right now in the city. So I think the, the engagement in our church community, as well as with people, again, who aren't part of our church, it's, it's all there because um, the feelings and the questions that arise during this time are all brought up when we face this crisis that so many of us are going through. And so one of the things that we've talked about as a community is how do we, because in the midst of the city and the culture that we live in, the natural inclination for us is how do I protect myself and how do I just take care of myself and financially and everything else? And what we've really called our folks to, which I'm so proud of the ways they've risen to the challenges, guys, how do we live into an uncommon generosity and love? And that, I mean, one of the reasons why we elected not to gather as a church was because we felt like the narrative was so much about an abundance of caution, but we use the language of an abundance of love. We will mm. not be gathering because we want to be a loving community, especially for the vulnerable among us. And so then we just started to kind of think through what is what is being a loving community look like right now? And for us, it was serving the vulnerable. So we've got teams of people delivering food to the elderly. We've been raising money for small businesses to feed workers on the front line and also just serving nonprofits who need our help. Um, there was a group of folks from our church that helped build the hospital that went up in Central Park because this is what we believe about our Christian faith is that it's something tangible that we experience it and we feel it and it has legs and hands and feet. And so we, we just felt like let's lean into love and generosity in this moment. But it's mm -hmm. been challenging. It's been hard because again, so much of faith has been about the incarnation, the mystery of that God is with us here and together. And so um, we're doing our best to do that. Yeah. I mean, I will kind of speak from my perspective here. It has been really challenging for 
my faith because I've just been trying to come to grips with why would God even, you know, allow such a devastating blow on the planet? Mm. And, and I don't want to get into kind of the theology behind that right now, but, you know, I've been doing a lot of reading on trying to understand that. But then there's this other perspective where it's like, you know, I will never understand why these things happen. But what I can do is I can at least channel all of that energy, all of that tension and that grief and use it for building God's kingdom. And so that act of serving and giving back has been the most therapeutic thing for me. I would say even as an encouragement to our listeners who may or may not be Christian, one thing that can be very helpful is like you were saying, like we're, you know, we're naturally self-absorbed, but turning the lens away from ourselves toward helping others. And I do think actually New York, the, the city has come together in a way that I've mm. never seen before. Yeah, I think, man, I, I, I love what you just said to turn that grief into a way to have it be redemptive. And I, I do think you're right in New York, New Yorkers are coming together in extraordinary ways. I mean, what's what's so crazy about the situation we find ourselves in now is like, it seems like globally, it's had this leveling effect that whatever one's status is, whatever one's background, like we all need each other. And it's been so revealing in that way. I've attended about three virtual weddings now. And then I officiated a wedding of someone who they were planning this big celebration. Wow. And uh, were those over like Zoom and Google Hangout as well? Yeah, well, w one of them I did live. They had to cancel their wedding and then they came to where we lived and then we went outside and kept safe social oh, distance. Wow. We did their ceremony with a couple of their family members. Another I attended where someone else was officiating and they were on Zoom and a bunch of their families came together. You know, of course, there's so much grief happening around the city, but something like that, not being able to celebrate a wedding. And this is the thing I, I love about the Christian faith is that it's one that embraces lament. But on the other side of faith, though, there's also this redemptive, undying hope of resurrection. Mm. So we've been praying these prayers of lament, and then we ask this question, how do we become the answers? And I think that's very similar to what you were just saying about you've, you've turned that towards generosity and redemption, which I love. And I, man, I commend you for that. I think that's awesome. It, it is amazing. And uh, during such a difficult time, churches are becoming way more accessible than ever before. <laughs> you can mm -hmm. literally hop into, click a link that takes you <laughs> to um, a YouTube video that has like a church service. You go to a Zoom uh, conference room and hey, there's somebody. Like you can go to like hundreds of churches all around the US <laughs> just from the comforts of your living room. And that to me is, is beautiful in some ways. So I, I guess people listening out there, if you are feeling that there is a spiritual gap you know, in your heart from this situation, it's so easy to just check out a room and <laughs> check out a church right now. Yeah. I, I do want to go back and ask you a bit about the controversial aspect of churches. Mm -hmm. We've seen that churches have kind of gotten a bad rap right now because a lot of them have been unwilling to switch to online services. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go in and, and heap blame on them, but maybe first understand what they're thinking. Do you, as a pastor, why do you think they're being so resistant to this? Is this something that, you know, you've wrestled with? Yeah, I mean, we certainly wrestled with it, but we, I mean, it's a grief to me that churches continue to gather in the midst of what we're going through. Mm. Because it's clear that the distancing is a way of mitigation and preventing the spread of this disease. The science is there. And I think that the most loving thing that churches can do is to not be gathering in those larger gatherings. And again, I think it's actually a very small minority, but they get a lot of publicity because they are doing something in an antagonistic way towards right. conventional wisdom 
or the churches that are continuing to gather, I think it's a lack of wisdom. I think what ends up happening is they pit fear. Fear becomes the big thing that they say, we're not a fearful people. And as a result, Mm. we're going to bust through this fear. But again, the scriptures also talk about wisdom. And if we are a loving community, then it makes sense that we would lean into love and wisdom. But I know in the vast majority in New York. In fact, I don't know any church in New York that's still gathering. Yeah, I saw that earlier on during the pandemic was when I think a lot of churches were having to make that hard decision of switching to remote. Mm -hmm. What was the point when you guys decided we have to now go into making sure we don't gather in person anymore? Yeah. So I remember we um, sent out a note on before our March 8th services, which was our last Sunday meeting. And we had hand sanitizer everywhere. We changed our greeting. We actually encouraged people not to hug or touch each other, but to have safe distance. And we changed our, our greeting to like a Wakanda forever. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and we basically, at that point though, we were in the tension of like, do we still gather in the midst of this? And then mm. I think that following week, I remember we were having conversations about what we were going to do the next week. And there was there were different opinions. People thought we should still gather. Some did not. And then I think it was that one day when the NBA closed and then it felt like, <laughs> you know, I know that sounds and yeah. I know that you're a big hoops junkie, but and same here. So like but I just remember it was like the seriousness of it. We just knew. And so we were, I think we were one of the earlier churches to announce that we were going to close. But by that Sunday, mm-hmm. I would say uh, as far as in my orbit I, and the churches and pastors that I knew, I'd say 95% of the churches that I know were oh, wow. did not meet that very next week on the 15th. Yeah, and, and March 15th was, I, I believe that was the day that the governor pretty much uh, shut down the city. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so only yeah. only essential businesses. Right. And is is the church an essential business? Um, I think it depends on, well, I think it depends on state to state, you know, and so that's where, you know, some people have argued for the freedom of congregations Mm -hmm. to assemble and things like that. It is one of those super confusing things because, you know, there's stories of through wars and tragedies, the church has always gathered. And this is where, again, for us, what does love require? And for us, Mm -hmm. we said, love requires us to to do this over Zoom. Yeah, because I've seen uh, some pastors say that it's against the Constitution to shut down churches. I I bring it up because that seems to be the sticking point for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because my mind doesn't even go there, and even our conversations did not even go there. It Mm. goes straight towards what in this pandemic is the most loving thing for us to do. Again, and this is part of that whole mentality of instead of self-absorption or self-protection, how can we live towards laying our lives down for our neighbor. What does that look like? Yeah, I think that's really on point. From what I've learned from, you know, my 29 years of attending the church, mm-hmm. Christianity is all about love and and how can you love God and how can you love your neighbor? So I I really appreciate that sentiment. I guess the last thing I want to ask you is what has been the most challenging thing for you? You know, I, I know you to be a very vulnerable pastor, so that's why I ask you, um, you know, personally, how are you doing? Yeah, um, uh, it's hard to answer this question without weeping a little bit, just because I, I can't remember. Obviously, if it was a week ago or two weeks ago, and there's a, a friend of ours who he's a restaurant owner in Midtown, and my wife and I were deciding like, what are we going to do? And I, I said, and we got into an argument because I wanted to go and support his restaurant, but of course, going out meant that we were also. <laughs> 
doing a non-essential thing, but we wanted to support a restaurant and we we're just wrestling with it. We ultimately decided, okay, I'm going to go, but I'm not going to take public transportation or anything. And it's just going to be me and I'm going to wear gloves and everything. And we went out and I went into his restaurant. And this is a restaurant that's been doing donation after donation to frontline workers. And I saw him and his brother, it's this restaurant called Sons of Thunder in Midtown and him, you know, we picked up our to-go order, tried to encourage him as much as we can or as I, as I could in that moment and try to make small talk, even though it was so impossible to do that. Cause the city, mm-hmm. it was a weekday. It was like Monday lunchtime and we we're trying to pick up lunch for our kids. And mm. I came out of the restaurant and I just started bawling, you know, like mm. just cause, I mean, we saw like all the closed businesses and restaurants in the middle of Manhattan on a weekday, you know, it was just so surreal. And like, just knowing how many lives have been affected by that. And then seeing our friends like hustling and doing whatever they could, you know, and they had this large order ready for hospital workers. And I just was bawling, just bawling Mm -hmm. over the city and people that we love. And then to still believe that, you know, God's, God's going to do something redemptive and beautiful in the midst of this. It's so easy for me right now to fall into despair or cynicism. And my wife and I were talking like, thank God we have our faith that we can turn to, to say, you know, God, we know that he's a God who makes beauty out of ashes, that Good Friday is a day of, of tragedy and pain and darkness, but Easter is coming and springtime is coming and God will do something. And so in the midst of that, that's what we're clinging to, you know, and I know that everyone in New York, we all know someone who's suffering from this illness and Mm -hmm. whose life has been dramatically altered. And so I think that's where um, it's been really challenging. Mm. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I will definitely continue to keep you my prayers Thanks, man. Um, Thank you. Asking, you know, those out there as well to pray for the church in New York. I just hope that people can gain a little bit more perspective about how the church is handling this. And not just Mm. that, but how the church is really on the front lines of the spiritual battle, Mm. helping people get through this. And so thanks so much, Pastor. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. Thanks for what you're doing. And I think it's beautiful that you're telling the stories of pockets of light in the midst of what's happening. So thank you for that, Stephen. Okay, I am recording these reflections after we hung up from our conversation with Pastor Drew, and I just wanted to share a few of my takeaways. And for me, you know, I've been wrestling with this really every morning I wake up, feeling down, feeling like, when is this ever going to end? But I have found that amidst all of this, you know, the the pain and the suffering of a pandemic, the one place I can turn to comfort and, and where I find my joy and my peace and my confidence is in God. And I know that, you know, in all the death and suffering that at the end of the day, that God has a plan for me. A lot of you are, are at home right now, are sheltering in place, working remotely, not able to go outside. My encouragement to you all is to find yourself spiritually, get to know yourself, get to know the depths of your heart and your soul. It's never been easier than right now at this very moment of time to attend a church, right? Like all of the services are being held online. And You know, I've been posting every Sunday on my Instagram, the church I've been attending. So feel free to join me there. It's uh, Reality San Francisco. And you can also attend uh, Pastor Drew's church. It's Hope Church, New York City. And the link is on their website. So check it out. All that being said, please subscribe to this podcast and rate us five stars and write a lovely review. You know, get on those keys and tip tap your 
your, your uh, phone away or your, your laptop, wherever you listen. And have a wonderful week, guys. Stay safe, be kind to each other, and we will chat very soon. Bye.